Studios. This, this is After Nine with Scott and Kat. Hey now. Hello, friends. Happy Hump Day. We're going to do something a little different on today's After Nine. Well, first off, we have a special guest, Sandra Ziskin, our personal attorney from Diamond and Diamond Injury Lawyers. Cannot recommend Diamond and Diamond enough, let me tell you. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Now, Sandra Ziskin is an exceptional lawyer, and you're going to hear that for yourself coming up soon. She's going to come on and talk about what happens when you smack into somebody on a ski hill. Because it shouldn't be as complicated as it's turning into in America. And also, do you take depositions from, at the time, like six and nine-year-olds seriously? How seriously is that taken in court usually? I have many questions there, too. So we're going to talk to Sandra coming up. Before we get to that, though, we have somebody new that's working on the Scott and Cat show, including on the After 9 podcast. He's so excited. He's punching mics about it. Welcome. (laughs) Shit. That's the second time today. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, see, even well, the intern is noticing. <laughs> uh, a new intern, and her name is Isha, and we wanted to, because you guys are so great for downloading After 9 and hopefully also listening to one of the radio shows. There's four of them every day. Uh, we wanted to introduce you to Isha because from time to time, Isha may answer your call when you call into the studio. She may reply to a text message. You may even see her on social media. So we wanted to give you an opportunity to get to know the newest member of the Scott and Cat show, Isha. Welcome. Thank you. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. Have you, You've never been on a podcast before? Uh, I've had like assignments and all that, but... Oh, to, you like, create podcasts, but oh. I've never actually been on one, so this oh. is awesome. Fascinating. So yeah. Isha goes to college at the same place that I went to college for broadcasting and dropped out of, fun fact. <laughs> um, but podcasting was never a part of it, so I was curious about that. So you are learning a little bit about that, yeah, too. Yeah, there was a class called Podcasting and oh. Feature Production. Good, good, good. So the whole program's actually changed probably since... Oh, abs- I, know, ho- I certainly <laughs> hope so. Surprisingly, probably not as much as you'd think, though. I mean, I feel like... When you go to broadcasting school, do they like sit you down in front of the radio board and say, do a radio show? Or do they go into the... the you got to ha- do the fundamentals and all that first. Like, fundamentals? You have to like, yeah, learn the history, le- right? Learn too? a little bit of history Tenet, and then yeah. like the show prep aspect of it. And then there's like a lot of classes you got to take. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's not just radio. And they actually want to change it so that it's a lot of content creating too and social media oh. because it's evolving every day. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. You, you've done some great work on our social media already, creating some good videos so people can see behind the scenes on yes. the After 9 studio. And and now you're on After 9. Uh, what do you want to do in radio? Do you want to be a DJ? Um, I do want to be We don't honest. call them DJs anymore, <laughs> Scott. DJ? <laughs> well, do you want to be an announcer? Yes. <laughs> uh, I do want to be an announcer, and uh, I do love a lot of the audio production and produce, uh, producing shows and all that. So. Okay, what about like commercials? Because listeners- love voice work. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay, great. Big fan of voice and commercials. Listeners hate commercials, but as someone who works in radio- <laughs> I love them. We love they them. they make us money. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, they're the best. <laughs> I Yo, love we, sh- them. we should play more of them. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're almost done school I guess yeah so I'm done actually all my classes and now I'm just doing my interning with you guys great and you have to do a certain number of intern hours before you're yes. a licensed broadcast professional that's right <laughs> <laughs> after 80 hours I will be licensed no kidding to broadcast well, anywhere <laughs> <laughs> that's great so do you have any prospects or is there do you do you want to work here do you want I do, do you yes. want my I, job like, what, what's your goal here I do want to work within our company okay I think it's a great, great. company it is it yeah, is. yeah and it is. Maybe I can do some shows with you guys. Oh, that'd be great. Good stuff. Maybe even have my own show one day. Mm -hmm. What would you call it? Mm, 
Maybe like an evening show, like Evenings with Isha, maybe. That sounds good. Because it's like E and E, so yeah, it like like that. works. Alliteration's nice. Yes. Why do you want to do evening? I started just doing evenings. Just because of the E. Just because of the E. Just because of the E. But I do love mornings. Really? Yeah. Okay. I started off doing evening radio, and it's very, very different from daytime radio because evening radio is people in all kinds of different parts of their life. Some people are at work. Some people are at home chilling. Right. Some people are in the bath. Some home. people are. Yes, yeah. exactly. It, it's fun radio. Well, we wish you the best and you're going to be on a lot more with us and, and working behind the scenes. So everyone, if you get an opportunity to text in maybe to one of the radio shows, it could be Isha that replies. Give her a hello. Yes. Give me a hello and we can chat. <laughs> you can chat. There That's you go. good. Yeah. Thanks for coming in, Isha. Thank, Thank you, you for Isha. having me. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, okay, where are we at here, Kat? We'll call Sandra in just a few minutes. Yeah, we have a few minutes, um, and I guess we'll go over the details of what happened yesterday with Gwyneth Paltrow with Sandra. If I you want to so. do that. Yeah, okay. I do want to talk about the budget first, though, if we could. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so it came down yesterday, and we were told leading up to it, it was going to be a uh, a restrained budget. We were going to start watching our watching our our dollars here and making sure that we're not overspending because we don't want to contribute to inflation by racking up more debt and having to print more money. It ended up in the end turning out to be one of the biggest spending budgets in history. But you're going to get some stuff out of it. So the deficit is now going to be $40 billion a year. That's just the deficit more than we spend versus what we bring in. The actual debt, well over a trillion dollars now. If you break it down, the interest that we pay on the debt is about $6 million an hour. That's a lot. Whoa, that's that that's <laughs> what we're paying in debt interest as a, a nation. Six million dollars an hour. Uh, it's about fifty billion dollars a year just in interest on the debt, and we are adding to it with a six a forty billion dollar deficit. But there are, like I said, some things that are coming out of this for you. For some uh, lower income earning Canadians, you'll get that. They're calling it a grocery rebate. It's just an increase in the HST rebate. They're going to expand the dental care coverage for low-income Canadians and younger Canadians as well. So I, I guess that's good. And they're going to spend a ton of money on the green economy. I still don't know who's making money off of this or how, but somebody's getting millions and billions sure. of dollars off of this. Yeah. Is there ever any follow-through? Could I just go to the government? Maybe I knock on Christian Freeland's office door and say, hey, I've, I've got this neat idea to, to mulch up the leaves that fall on my lawn every fall. And if you put them in a box for six months, it turns into a drop of gasoline, which will fuel your car from here to the stop sign. And she'll give me a billion dollars? Is that how this works? <laughs> just any idea? Yo, know, people are making money off of it, and it's not just going to be in one area. There's going to be several areas of this as this continues to grow because you know that it's not going to go anywhere. In fact, it's going to expand more. I have With a feeling- The green economy, if you will, right? Well, it's the most lucrative business to get into- it's huge. Because the government is funding all of it. I mean, there's really no risk to it. If you've got an idea for something that could be green- Fucking do it because the government will give you a shit ton of money. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know what kind of accountability or transparency there needs to be. It seems like if you just go to them and say, this is green, you're going to get money because there's so much of it in the budget for that's that. That's the thing, right? And then once you get the ball rolling there, that's when you start to make some serious coin. And you look at, I don't know how much money like Elon Musk got or needed for like Tesla, for example. But there's one company that maybe does get some grants. I'm not sure how it works for him. But now it's their own juggernaut. You know what I mean? Doing their thing. And this is just the way that the world is going. 
It's pretty insane. That's a lot of money. One other thing I want to mention about this budget is we had heard that the alcohol taxes were going up on the weekend because (laughs) April Fool's, we're going to raise your taxes. And we already pay almost more tax than any other country on earth when it comes to the excise tax on our alcohol. It was supposed to be 6.2%. They've now capped it at 2%. Okay, so it's not as bad? Not as bad, but still pretty bad. But I feel like, again, we talked yesterday about distractions. So they come out and say, hey, we heard you and we saw that fucking dumb Bob and Doug McKenzie commercial. So we're going to cap the gas or the the alcohol tax at 2%. Don't worry about it. It's not as much as it could have been. My question is, why are we raising it at all? We already pay some of the highest taxes in the world. Why even 2%? Don't do that. And, And the other thing, too, is this is really a distraction because when people are happy that, well, we got to win. We got to win on the alcohol taxes. I think people are going to forget that the carbon tax is the one that's really going to hit hard. And that one kicks in on Saturday as well. How much remains to be seen, although gas is already up two cents a liter today to $1.47.9. Yay. Yay. Okay. Let's call Sandra. Hello. And here she is, Sandra Ziskin from Diamond and Diamond. Hey, Sandra. Hi, guys. How are you? Really good. Thank you. We, um, first and foremost, love uh, your social media. Follow Diamond and Diamond on social because you really like to break down, especially those high, higher profile trials. And it, some of it's confusing for people. So I totally get it. But we wanted to talk to you a bit about Gwyneth Paltrow. And we are nearing the end of this trial. It's such a, stra- it's such a strange one. Um, can you break down what this lawsuit is about first? It's about overprivileged people Uh bored and suing (laughs) each other for seemingly nonsense. Um, Basically, this guy is saying when it's smashed into him, he's saying that she, uh, vice versa, nobody, her ski instructor that she paid to be there said that he smashed into her. She's saying that um, his, his witness is saying she smashed into him. And because of this, he has a traumatic brain injury and his uh his world is forever changed she conversely has lost a half a day of skiing in her countersuit and that was her damages was a half day of skiing that she had lost and clearly priceless and therefore this needs a full-blown trial and everyone should be watching this and inconvenienced i'm morbidly fascinated by this trial though because it really does seem like a he said she said and and they both have made some some really ridiculous moves in this whole thing. So I guess the first thing I want to know is, do you actually have to compensate somebody if you crash into them on a ski hill? Or is there just an inherent risk in skiing? So there is an inherent risk in skiing. Anytime you're going, think about it, you know, hockey. Think about anything else uh, that we do that is inherently dangerous. And I'm just thinking about hockey. My kids in playoffs right now are thinking about it the other day. You're When you get involved in a sport that that risk and harm can come of it, there is an inherent risk. That being said, if somebody is doing something deliberately negligent or deliberately harmful, yes, there's a potential lawsuit. So again, going back to the hockey situation, think about a guy who took off his helmet and started smashing it against somebody's head as opposed to somebody who just ran into somebody. You know what I mean? Okay, yes. So there are, there are ways where it would take you without, with outside the realm of reasonableness. Um, and Utah has this weird sort of skiing law where whoever's lower on the hill is innocent. The one higher on the hill should watch Mm. out for them. 
So that's their sort of skiing law that they have there, and that's why it's very important who ran into who and who was higher on the mountain. And that will all come down to credibility, whether they believe Gwyneth or they believe this optometrist, um, and they'll figure it out. I guess the judge will just figure it out. Okay. Yesterday in court, a deposition was read aloud because their kids couldn't be there in person. I guess they're very busy, of course. Um, yes. But the deposition was read aloud, and I don't know, it kind of got me wondering what that's like and if it makes a difference when you're talking about kids who, I think at one point, one of them was like six or nine years old at the time of the collision. Does that come into play at all? Like, do people take depositions from at the time when you're six to nine years old seriously? Well, I think everybody takes, everything has to be in context, right? Whether it's testimony from an adult, testimony from a child, the motivations of the person, everything has to be weighed out as credibility. And of course, a nine-year-old is not going to be as credible as an adult. And there's also an understanding that a nine-year-old is going to get their version of events from their parent. It's not like, even if they have an independent recollection, the likelihood is they're going to be swayed by their parent. And that's why there wasn't probably the insistence on the child being there to cross-examine them because they weren't going to add anything to the conversation. Mm -hmm. They're just going to basically mimic what their parent was saying. Okay. And now I just kind of want to get your personal thoughts on it. Like for me, when I look at this trial, and if I was a jury member, I'm not supposed to think about this, but I couldn't help it. When you look at Gwyneth Paltrow, she's got like the goop empire. She's got a lot of money, Nepo baby over there. She's got a lot going for her. She is being sued for 300000 If she just wanted to make this thing go away because she was guilty, don't you feel like she would just pay off the $300,000? 100%. dollars $300,000 for her. And it, was, it wouldn't have been 300000 because 300000 would be on his best day, right? So presumably, if she offered him a hundred, dollars 150000 which is usually things that we sell for less than what we sue for, it would have gone away. And something in her made her dig in her heels and and go through this trial. I don't know why she's not coming across well, nor is she coming across as a likable human being once again, or somebody who's in touch with reality. It's, I, you know, it, if I was her PR person, I would have told her to pay the 150000 and make it go away in a, in a non-disclosure, and then everyone goes away to their private little corners, and then you're done. You just throw money at it because you can. That's, that's the joy of being a wealthy person is sometimes you can throw money at a situation and it can go away. However, maybe she's just taking a point of, I'm just not going to be sued because I'm Gwyneth Paltrow, and she really believes in her position. I was, I'm wondering that, like, that's the part that gets, that gets me because and maybe it's good for her company because people are, when they mention her in articles saying stuff about goop, for example, and that's what she wants right. you to do. But at the same right. time, you're right. Like I'm seeing negative. Th- they were upset that the camera was in her face in the beginning too, which yeah. I believe they moved for, that was the Associated Press's camera, I think, um, which she right. didn't even realize was there um, uh, right. the first day from what we could tell. So I, I wonder that too. Or do you think she's, what's your prediction then? Do you think that she's going to win this one? I, I, it's so hard to tell. I, I, you almost feel like, you almost feel like this is one where everyone's going to roll their eyes and dismiss it on both sides Mm -hmm. and kind of be done with it. The fact that they're sitting there having conversations about her friendship with Taylor Swift, like we've now delved into Mm -hmm. a level of insanity that the judge allows questions about her friendship with Taylor Swift on a ski, like, it's it, there's no law here. There's no law and there's no semblance of reasonableness that we're talking about a relationship with Taylor Swift. Yeah, I, I, it brings the whole thing into a mockery. So I don't know. I I'm thinking maybe he'll if he gets an award, she'll obviously get nothing. But if he gets an award, maybe forty thousand, fifty thousand. 
100000 I doubt they'll go for the full 300000 I'm wondering how the judge makes that determination. I mean, they both seem crazy. I don't understand yeah. how you determine who's less crazy and more likely to be telling the truth. It's it's an impo- but that's what they do, right? Like whether it's whoever the trier factors, whether it's a judge or a jury, both in Canada and the United States, right? In in a in a civil case, that's all you're doing. You're listening to testimony. You're trying to figure out who you believe more. And oftentimes, it's just like a gut feeling. You'll look at a person and say, "Hey, I think this person is telling the truth." There's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just you think an eye movement or something they do. They're telling the truth, and you believe them. That's why. You know, even with our practice, I always tell people settlements are always better because at least a settlement, you know what you're going to get. A jury, you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know if the person hates all personal injury clients. You don't know who's sitting on that jury, right? It's six people in the Tim Hortons lineup. That's what we tell everyone. So they're going to sit there and judge you. And maybe somebody hates Goop. Maybe somebody loves Gwyneth. You don't. You just don't know what you're going to get. So uh, it's 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 really really a crapshoot. But it's honestly the most bizarre thing since we talked about Johnny Depp and that bizarre <laughs> That's right. Yes. Right. Oh, man. Uh, overprivileged, spoiled people. Uh-huh. Okay, so you are thinking he is probably going to get something, but not nearly yeah. as much as he wants. That would, that's, I, you know, it's really a guess. I don't even have a gut feeling about this one, but if they're going to find something it will, it will I, you know, I think it will be something small. His, his injuries are basically, he says he forgot, he went into Home Depot, forgot while he was there, uh, broke up with his girlfriend. I, I don't, like, he says he's cognitively impaired slightly. Okay. Hmm. All right. Is, is that, do, do you have to be able to prove that? I went into Home yeah. Depot and can't remember why I was there. I do that every <laughs> right. day, all yeah. the time. <laughs> Who can you sue, Scott? Yes, yes I've been documenting <laughs> it for my case as well. Um, they, they did have a doctor come on board to say that he has this mild traumatic brain injury, and they did have a doctor. So, yes, you do have to, you do have to produce some form of medical evidence if you're going to put forward that damages claim. For, so first you have to decide who's at fault, who went into who, what was more likely than not? He went into her, she went into him. What was more likely? Then you have to assess the damages. What were his damages? And rarely do you get 100 cents on the dollar. So if you're suing for 300000 rarely does a jury or a judge come back with a $300,000 verdict. Got it. Okay. Hey, while you're on the line, can we ask you about something else that's been on my sure. mind and I'm curious about? We know that violence in, in everywhere is out of control, but particularly yeah. on the TTC. And we're hearing every day lately about people that are, I don't know, getting punched, getting stabbed and all that sort of thing. And I'm wondering if you have something happen to you while you're riding the TTC, can you take issue with the person who did that to you or with the TTC itself? Do they not have some sort of an obligation to protect you on their system? Yes, both. So both. So we have a lawsuit currently, and I can speak about it because it's been in the press, um, against the TTC for somebody who was pushed into the subway by somebody. Oh, wow. And, um, uh, and was harmed because what a lot of the subway stations have done, it has to be reasonable, right? So like a lot of the subway stations, what they've done in different jurisdictions is put up like those fencing and those protective barriers. And so if they could have reasonably prevented it, then the answer is yes, it's the TTC's fault. But if they couldn't reasonably have protected, like it would be harder. So if you're saying something like if somebody had a gun or a knife and they could reasonably, and I don't know if it's even reasonably feasible, put in metal detectors, for example, then it could be the TTC's fault. It would be harder 
if it's just somebody getting into a fist fight, right? Because how can you predict somebody's going to get into a fist fight? All you can do is put up protective barriers so somebody can't push you in front of a train. Right. Mm. Okay. It's uh, it's wild what's happening in the system right now. I have a feeling you may be getting a few more calls. I'm, I, I, yes, 100%. And, and, but to your point, you can sue the person, the perpetrator, but oftentimes, as we all know, these people are mentally unwell, and it's like suing, it's blood from a rock. You're not going to get anything, and you're not going to get anywhere, because these people are just, the bigger problem is, of course, is our mental health system and not being able to take care of people mm-hmm. the way we ought to, and this is, the, this is what we have is these horrible circumstances. Here, here. Yeah, huge, yeah. huge issue. Sandra, if uh, anyone listening has any questions, and maybe they'd like the expertise of your team, how can people get a hold of you? Yes, definitely my team, not me. They're much better than me. Please call us at 1-800-567-HURT or diamondlaw.ca. All right. Thanks, Sandra. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Say hi to Jeremy for us. All right. It's, uh, uh, what was next? By the way, just back to the TTC for a second. It's crazy, eh? It really is. Like, would you hop on a TTC car right now? No. Uh, What's happening right now, the premier yesterday talked about it, and he was right. He said... He said he wasn't going to get involved in the mayoral race in Toronto, but then he said he did get involved yesterday when he said, don't vote for anyone that wants to defund the police. There's candidates out there whose platform is we're going to defund the police. He said, that's not what we need. We need more police and we need more police in the subway Mm -hmm. system. And I don't know if if that will actually help. I really don't. But we did get some stats on that brief period where they had more officers doing paid duties in there. Right. In that six week period. Police arrested 314 people and 220 of them were recommended for social services, mental health supports, homelessness issues, that sort of thing. That's a lot of people with the cops in there for just six weeks. Maybe we should have them in there full time, but I'm going to take it a step further. We, we said two years ago that as the economy started to get bad, violent crime would start to rise and lo and behold, that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. If I was a driver, for the TTC, I don't know if I'd go to work. I don't know if I would do some of the basics of my job just because it's not worth getting into a confrontation with somebody. If somebody wanted to jump on my bus and not pay their fare, fuck it. I'm not going to get in the way. Why would I intervene? Because you never know who's packing these days or who's just going to go crazy and start stabbing you. It's a scare. It's a scary world. And I, I agree with you. Like, I would support anyone who, if you don't feel safe at work, isn't that what everyone says? If you're not feeling safe, you shouldn't have to work. And this is a legitimate cause for concern. What about the, uh, the other one that's not as black and white? Teachers. It is so rough and so violent in some schools right now, particularly in Toronto. There's teachers getting assaulted. There's teachers getting spat on. There's all sorts of crazy shit happening. If a teacher said, I'm not going to go to school today because I don't think it's safe, I wouldn't blame them one bit. If this shit keeps going on, not to mention all the stabbings and stuff between students themselves, I wouldn't want to be in a school right now. It just seems dangerous. Are these happening like during class hours, though? Yes. They're not like out on the, by the what happened to the flagpole? <laughs> <laughs> What happened I'll meet the, you in the field yeah, out back w- after school. Exactly. Like, what happened to that? Like, I, I, I know it does seem like it's escalated quite a bit in the school system. And can't we, like, hone in, and hone in on certain students that are causing issues and make sure that we deal with that first and foremost so it's not a safety concern for teachers? Teachers should never be afraid to be in, in the classroom where they belong, you know? Well, like you said, you should have a right to feel safe at work. And, and if you're working in the TTC or in the schools right now, particularly in Toronto, I wouldn't blame you one bit if you didn't want to go to school and I'm confident you could make a strong case that it's not safe.
maybe a different conversation for a different time. But when you first said that, the first thing I thought of was the states and their guns. Oh, yeah. And the school shootings. And it, where, when the hell is that going to end? And if I was a teacher in one of those schools, that would be my biggest fear. And it seems like they have a lot to be fearful of. It's happening time and time again. Like, what is wrong with them? Change your freaking gun laws already because it's at least going to help. Well, this woman, it's a, it's a transgender woman, I believe. Someone who used to go to that school and then they surveilled the school. This was real diabolical, by yeah. the way. Like, they, yeah. they, they inspected security routines. They had schematics. They had mm-hmm. the whole plan just drawn out. They were going in there for a mass murder. And their, their final note to everybody was, you might see this on the news. Something bad's going to happen. Bye. It's horrible what yeah. happened. This was Nashville, if anyone wants to look it up. They were legally purchased guns. And, and the States has a big problem when someone with that many issues can legally purchase a gun and diabolically plan out oh. a massacre that involved children. The system's unbelievable. The system's unbelievable. They don't have it right. But what? But that, like again, and if I, this is why I'm so glad I don't live there. Honestly, this is this is one of the reasons why that would scare me to live there. Because, and I know we have listeners that that are from the states. Do, do, how do they? How are they even managing to keep calm about it? Like I would lose my shit. I'd be afraid to put my kid in class every day. Like, that's not a place where you want to be. You don't want to feel that way. I get that. I totally do. The way that I try and keep it in perspective, though, is these school shootings, yes, they're horrible, but they really are a needle in a haystack. I mean, there are hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of schools in America. One is too many, though, Scott. Look at other countries and the bans that they put on guns. Again, maybe it's another conversation for another day, but you can't tell me, "Eh, it's not that bad when you look at the numbers. There should be zero. That's the point. There There shouldn't be any. There should be zero, but we've got students shooting students here. I mean, guns are a problem because they're in the hands of the wrong people here. Now, the this person getting a gun, I don't know how that happened. How do you legally get a gun when you have that many issues? Well, that's the, the system sh- issue, is that, it, that it's too easy to get a gun. Red flag laws should have kicked in here. This should have been an issue. I don't understand how this person got a gun, let alone that many of them. Oh, and by the way, do they not have any sort of a registry to say, hey, we've got a person here who has seven automatic weapons. Not that you shouldn't be allowed to own seven automatic weapons. No, I think if, you shouldn't. If you're lawfully Personally. allowed to own... Well, you know, you Why use, do you need seven? Why does one person need seven automatic weapons? Because you use different uh, weapons for different scenarios. Depends what you're shooting. Yeah. Again, uh, the word automatic weapons and seven of them to me just seems outrageous. I don't care if you're a hunter or whatever. And by the way, most hunters, don't they just have like maybe a few? Do they seriously have like do hunters may have that many? Uh, I don't know any hunters that like, use an automatic weapon, to be honest with that's you. That's exactly it. Like none. That should, like, it, it's just preposterous to me. It's preposterous. I don't understand it. Yeah. Never will. There's some real common sense things that Americans could do that they could take from our system that would probably make things a lot more safe down there. But at the the heart of it all, the issue here, whether you're talking TTC in Toronto, school in Nashville or or whatever, there's a lot of mental health issues. There's yeah. a lot of people that are fucked up that are not getting the treatment that they need. And, and this is what they're resorting to. Yeah, it's different in different areas. There's mental issues. There's, like you said, it's a it's when the economy's down that happens, um, and gun gang violence, I should say as well. Like it's it's a, there's a bunch of reasons, but I think mental illness should be definitely looked at. And I mean, it already is. There's wheels in motion for it, but it's not good. I just don't know what it's going to take to get to a point where people who are not feeling right can have a correct uh, a, a course of treatment. If I just wake up and think. Fuck, I'm angry and I don't know why and, and I want to I wanna 
do something because I don't know how to express my anger and I'm feeling scarred from this and that and whatever it is that triggers them, they go off and do whatever it is they're going to do. It, most recently, stabbing people in the subway system. Horrible. But how did it get to a point where they found or felt like that was their best option as opposed to speaking to someone, going to a doctor? Do people even know what options they have? Because I have to think that even if I did decide, you know what? I need a little help here. I need to talk to somebody. How long until I can actually get treatment? Yeah. It's not like we have acute care emergency rooms for mental health. No. We wait, spend a shit ton of money on it, but there's wait lists and there's mm -hmm. not enough people that are doing it. Yeah. I totally understand the need to get more nurses and doctors in the healthcare system, but we got to walk and chew gum at the same time. We've also got to get people into the mental health industry as well, because at the rate it's going, we need to be able to pick up a phone and call somebody and have somebody answer. That's the best way to do this is if you can get critical care instantly or at least quickly, not waiting lists, talk to somebody in seven months. And education about it in general is really important too because I think people are fearful that they'll get in trouble for it. Maybe that's one of the reasons why. Um, they wonder if people are going to know. They don't want to give their name, like all of these things, and they're just fearful. I guess what I'm trying to say is we should be further along in this process. We should be closer to having solutions for people that are having a mental health crisis or just people who are on the verge of having a mental health crisis and need to talk to somebody. They just need to, to get a little treatment, whatever it is that we do to get them in the right headspace so they're not a danger to themselves or to others. There has to be more to it. People don't even know where to start. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem considering how much money we spend on this. We should be further along. There should be more supports available. And yeah, you're absolutely right. People should know exactly what to do. I know that if it's an emergency, I call 911. What if I'm having suicidal thoughts? What if I'm having uh, homicidal thoughts? Then what? Do I just mm -hmm. have to wait and hope that somebody calls the police to do a wellness check? Do I phone the cops on myself? I'm probably not going to do that. Yeah. Is there anybody I can call? These are questions that regular people have that really should be answered. And that takes us to time, unfortunately, because there was still a lot more I wanted to get to in this episode, but that's all right. We do one every day. There's uh, lots more episodes of After 9 in your future. In the meantime, if you haven't already, hit subscribe, rate, and enjoy. Bye. Amazon has a new feature that will alert customers about products that are frequently returned. Just to be clear, frequently returned doesn't mean that they're bad products. It just means that they're bought by people who are frequently drunk. <laughs> Authorities in California recently arrested a man who allegedly burglarized several optometry offices. Witnesses described the subject as a person between four and eight feet tall and very blurry. Researchers developed new smart leggings that tell you when it's time to take a break from working out. <laughs> While your regular jeans tell you when it's time to get back to the gym. You know what I mean? <laughs>